This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and I'm happy you're joining us today because we have a wonderful guest in Jim Tincher. He is uh, a known entity within the Customer Experience Professional Associations across many different opportunities in CX. He's a leader in many different disciplines, and we're just so happy that he's willing to join us today. So what I'd like to do is have Jim introduce himself to our guests, and then we'll begin our discussion. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Bob. Glad to be here. I've been looking forward to today. Uh, So yeah, so who am I? Um, I'm a customer experience geek. I, I was the second certified customer experience professional at the CXPA, which obviously you're very familiar with. Um, I also am the co-author of the book, How Hard Is It to Be Your Customer? Using Journey Mapping to Drive Customer-Focused Change. And um, also, Bob, you down in Austin, if uh, you may possibly see my old car, uh, my son has it now with the license plate of J-R-N-Y-M-A-P. Uh, I swore he was going to replace that license right away, but didn't want to spend the money. So he's still driving around with Journey Map down in Texas, but that's speaks a little bit to my geekiness side, is uh, big into journey mapping, big into customer experience. And it's uh, that and barbecue are the two things I talk about. <laughs> Jim, I'm afraid I might drive off the road if I saw that license plate down here and or, or get in an accident and try to take a picture of it. <laughs> uh, but it's good to know he's he's down here and he's safe from the Texas winter and, and still driving your old car with your old license plate on it. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about a few things today with Jim uh, because of he's got such a great background in CX. One of the reasons that I asked Jim to join the podcast for our listeners' information is he talked about how do CX professionals grow and, and continue to advance their knowledge. And, and I think Jim has some great insights into how he's doing it and how he's pursuing uh, continuing to advance his knowledge of the profession. So that's where we're going to start. And then that'll lead us to some other uh, avenues uh, uh, that reflect uh, a lot of the work that Jim is doing. So Jim, let's start with that uh, topic of growth. Sure. So last year, you know, in, with the pandemic, we just couldn't afford to invest hard dollars into our team the way I wanted to. I uh, just, you know, it was a rough, it was a rough year. And uh, without the payroll protection program, we might not have made it without letting people go. As it was, we didn't have to let anybody go. But now we're seeing a lot of interest. We're getting a lot of requests for our work. And so I really felt confident that the dollars are going to be back there and we're going to be very busy. And so I wanted the team to, I challenged my team to say, well, I want you to invest yourselves, not just sometimes here, right now. Um, I want you before the 
business really ramps up, I want you to go find some way you can improve your skills. And um, you know, the, the pronoun is deliberate. I want you all to go out and improve yourselves. And of course, and they came back and said, well, what are you going to do? And uh, I thought about it. And uh, we'll talk more about this. My big learning last year, my big learning activity, since we didn't have hard dollars, was we interviewed 100 people in CX. And that was fantastic learning. And um, I highly recommend that. We'll talk more about that. Um, but I did then start looking at where, how can I actually improve myself? Now, before I get to that, the one change we did make is that once the pandemic is overish, we feel comfortable. Um, you know, I learned a ton from doing these interviews. And I also had a chance to follow three CX leaders for two days each to just to learn all those things that never would have thought to ask them in an interview. And that was probably the biggest learning I've done the last 20 years was spending those two days. Um, Roxy Strominger in uh, Ultimate Software, now UKG, um, Jen Zamora with Dow, and um, Darren Byrne from Walters Kluwer each allowed me to spend a couple of days with them. And it was really learning. So we've actually implemented what we're calling an externship. We got that concept from Darren. And what they do is they have their back-end people go spend some time in the field. We're actually going to send all of our team out to spend a day or two with CX pros. And I highly recommend you and CX do the same thing. Go to a peer, go to a customer. And it's a little awkward asking for a couple of days of their time. But if you can get it, you will learn more than the other 363 days combined. Wow, Jim, that is a fantastic experience that you're sharing with our listeners. Um, so you actually were able to shadow those leaders over the couple of days that you did this exercise. Yeah, so I spent, I did a long trip. Um, late January, I went down to visit Roxy in um, Southern Florida. Uh, by the way, I do recommend if anybody's going to be visiting Southern uh, Florida, find out if the Super Bowl's that weekend. <laughs> and a different week, because uh, I made that mistake. And so we couldn't find any hotel rooms, but we ended up going to Northern Florida, but went, spent two days with her and then flew up to Michigan and spent two days with Jen. And I, oh, so, so informational, just listening into the conversations. They gave me an incredible level of access to be in all of their meetings, one-on-ones, strategy meetings. Uh, it was fantastic. And then Darren's happened during the pandemic. So I, I shadowed him virtually. He just invited me into his meetings. So again, I could hear his one-on-ones, hear his strategy meetings, and it was so educational. That's really that's really excellent uh, advice, Jim, and, uh, and, and so hands-on. And, you know, a lot of times when we're doing assessments, right, we try to do that, but doing it as part of your advancing of your own knowledge and, and understanding of CX just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's what we're going to institute here. And uh, again, recommend everybody try to find a way to do that. Go to a peer. Um, it, you'll both learn a lot. Mm-hmm. What, what are some other thoughts you have for CX professionals that are struggling through the pandemic? You talked about um, the challenges you had in the pandemic. I know in my network, uh, when the pandemic hit, a lot of CX professionals approached me because they had been laid off or furloughed. And, and to my disappointment, many organizations canceled CX as if it were a travel expense. So what, what, are, you, what are you seeing in terms of CX professionals and, and the state of CX right now? Hopefully we're emerging from the pandemic. You said 
things are starting to come back, but what about individual CX professionals that you talk to within your network? Well, you know, one of the things we did last year, as I mentioned, we did, we did those over hundred interviews with CX people. We found a dramatic difference in those who were successful, had a different type of knowledge and different skill set than the rest. And one of the first things, this is a little bit more applicable to those who are currently in, employed, but you can probably find elsewhere as well. Um, it was really understanding what drives business success. It was getting really deep. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you look across a lot of the research, you'll see that there's a link between um, customer experience success and revenue. If you look across companies, that's easy to see. That doesn't work so well within a company. So, you know, Bob, go back to your old role as a CX leader there. And let's say at the end of the year, and your company grew 10%. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you say, well, you know, we know the research shows that uh, improved CX can lead up to a 15% um, growth rate. So that 10% growth we had last year, yeah, I'm claiming it. That was all CX. I, I made that happen. How would that conversation go? <laughs> Not very well with the other uh, colleagues at the table also claiming that increase. <laughs> exactly. Sales will never let you have it. Marketing never let you have it. It's not going to happen. And But that's where we find a lot of programs are trying to link to these high-level things that other people are claiming as well. But what we found, those who are really successful, they understand those more granular outcomes from the business. And we find most organizations, most CX people we talk to don't have this level of knowledge. But those who really take the time to understand that, um, does our business grow through share of wallet? Is it order velocity? Um, Is it unit margin? What are those financial drivers, the organization? And how do you link what you're doing to those? You know, Jen um, Zamora from Dow, one of the things I love her, uh, that what she says is that she tells her business leaders that a better customer experience will make it easier for you to do your job or for you to accomplish your goals, I should say. And, you know, you might think, well, customer experience is their goal. It's, it's not. Their goal might be inventory turn. Their goal might be reduced cost to the call center. And so Jen has actually taken the time to learn what are the KPIs they measure, what drives that. And then she links how a better customer experience accomplishes that. So bringing that back to learning, if you're within an employer, take some time to meet finance. One of our questions, interviews was, I'd ask first, uh, so Bob, if I were to ask you if your customer experience getting better or worse, how would you answer that question? And most CX people answered only from the survey. Um, I would say, how would your CEO answer the question? And that stumped a few people. But then I would say, how would your favorite finance person answer that question? And I remember one of the interviewees, interviewees said, well, Jim, you're assuming I know somebody from finance. Well, yes, that was an assumption of mine. <laughs> right. um, but we actually found that there seems to be, in terms of organizational success, CX is another silo. And we need to break down that silo. So that's the first thing I would say if, if you're within a company is take some time to understand the financial drivers of the business because that's how you can have impact. If you want an executive to support your program, you need to meet him or her where they are. And so understand what they're trying to accomplish and how you can do that. You know, a couple of months ago, HBR, Harvard Business Review, had a great article showing how 
Improved customer experience actually reduces the cost of sales. That would be a compelling argument if you could make that. But that's, that's one of the things is take some time to understand specifically, how does your program add business value? And that begins understanding what business value means in your organization. Mm -hmm. So that's something I would do. Now, if you're not within a company right now, you've, you've lost your role looking across. I'd spend some time learning some finance. It's not a sexy offering. Uh, I struggled through my finance college as I got my M M classes. I got my MBA, but having a good understanding of what leads to business success is going to serve you well in any role, particularly CX. That's excellent advice, Jim. Uh, I've often said you have to speak the language of the C-suite and yes. you can't assume that everybody's going to be enthralled with your customer experience insights from your customers, right? Uh, what does it mean financially? That's the CFO doesn't care about, uh, in particular, a customer experience per se, unless you can tie it back to financials. So your advice is a good one. I, I kind of relate to the fact that you got to shadow somebody outside the organization. I think your advice is uh, for inside the organization too, to, to learn what the other functions are doing and speak their language. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. In fact, one of the surprising things we found now, this is a qualitative exercise. I don't have quantitative data back this up. Mm -hmm. But it seemed to be that, and I want to say again, there are counterexamples, Roxy being one of them, Ultimate Software. But there seemed to be a correlation between those who are really successful and those who moved from another role within the company. Now, so there are examples of people coming from the outside and driving change. That does happen. But it seems to be a lot easier if you move from another role, sales, operations, for example, you've, you've already learned the language of your business. You've learned a lot of the drivers of the business. And so it seems then to be easier for you to focus on business success. Whereas what we find people from the outside tend to focus overly much on the survey itself. Mm. Too caught up in the in the analytics and not enough in the reality, maybe. Yeah, and so it's it's really more um, they take what may have worked in the past, and what's common is is a survey, but they aren't they don't have that implicit knowledge of what what the organization cares about, and so therefore, coming to your earlier statement about speaking the language of executives, if you've been in a company in operations for ten years, you can probably speak the language of executives pretty easily. But if you came from the outside, it's going to take extra work for you to learn that. Excellent point. So, Jim, you've referenced your survey a couple of times and provided some nuggets. What other nuggets did you find from uh, the engagement that you had in this survey? Well, we found, um, I want to be here, but it was actually a personal conversation. Uh, we did a survey as well of 220 people in CX. These were 145 minute or longer conversations we had. Wow, Jim, that's fantastic. It might be qualitative, but boy, it must have been filled with a lot of nuggets. It was. It really was. It was a lot of fun uh, as well, just to learn the different stories. And um, so we found that, first of all, I mentioned earlier that they show value. But we found three other things were consistent with the best programs. They measure and manage the emotional experience. And I'm not talking about net promoter score. We'll talk more. We can talk more about that. Second of all, they have a very deliberate change management approach. And then third, they use technology at different levels. So the emotion one is, is funny because everybody mm -hmm. in CX knows that emotions matter. I mean, if, if, if somebody from, is in CX and they don't understand the power of emotions, 
they're in the wrong industry. We all understand that. But how many CX programs actually measure emotions? One exercise I'll do it when I'm doing, for example, a keynote is I'll ask people to think about a brand that they're, you know, they're okay with, they're not really think about much. And then think of a brand they absolutely love. And I'll have them spend 30 seconds doing that. Then I'll say, okay, if, if this was in person or you can do it through Zoom as well, I'll say, well, raise your hand if when you did that analysis, you did it on a zero to 10 scale and how likely you are to recommend them. Hmm. Nobody does that. That's not right. how we think. Right. <laughs> we might think about, you know, we trust them or they make us feel confident. We might say we feel really engaged in the brand. We use this emotional language, but then when we go to mission experience, we do zero to 10 point scale and how likely to recommend. Right. Um, if we look at some of these examples, you know, Roxy, she actually has a pick list of eight emotions. She says, which of these are you experiencing? Uh, Jen at Dow, they, when I first met Jen, this is, so the earlier comment about, you know, a better customer experience to make it easier to uh, accomplish your goals is my second favorite Jen comment. My favorite Jen comment, and so she works for Dow, um, chemical um, advanced manufacturer. And when I first met her, she said, our goal is to create a complaints experience that is enjoyable. I said, mm. I think I heard you wrong, uh, Jen. You meant easy, right? Or effective? No, no, enjoyable. And so they measure enjoyability. Mm. And I, I interviewed Jen for a, um, a show a couple months ago, and she can actually tie in enjoyability with those business metrics like order velocity, like order margin. Um, emotions matter. But very few programs actually measure those emotions. If you don't measure it, how do you manage it? Absolutely. And by measuring, Jim, are you seeing that those questions are being asked directly now uh, on surveys to customers' interactions with an organization? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, we find an insurance company, I don't know if I can say their name, but they, they measure happiness. Mm. It's a specialty insurance company, but happiness is on their survey. Now, they still measure net promoter score because they have an organizational history on that, but they found happiness is actually a really good driver of success, and it's more of a leading indicator than net promoter score. So, Jim, when I hear you say that, I, I, my response is, no, is duh, right? Why haven't we been measuring emotions, right? <laughs> I don't know why. We all use it in design thinking, but right. I just rarely see it measured. Wow, that's that's a, that's a nugget for sure. That uh, I hope a lot of our listeners. Uh, by the way, listeners, you're listening to this podcast of all things considered CX. Um, you're right. I think uh, we we need to kind of step back a minute and actually think about what you just said because. Uh, how important those perceptions and emotions are in, in the experience. Yeah, it's something actually we're going to have a, a series of webinars coming up here. Um, one is going to come up, uh, we're recording this on the 25th of uh, February. I think it's uh, in uh, two weeks, I think. it's We're going to have one with these overall findings. And then a month after that, we're going to talk specifically about emotions because um, it's so compelling. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely compelling. What, what other nuggets did you find, uh, Jim, that you want to share with our listeners? Well, the next one really was on change management. And mm. so highly recommend, see change management, the nice thing about that is it's, there's all kinds of education out there. 
As we speak, I have two team members, our CTO, Sean, and my co-author of our book, Nicole Newton, are both attending a pro-side change management class. And I'm getting pings from them regularly about all the ways they can apply it to our work and how we can help our clients apply to them. Everybody we talk to acknowledge the importance of change management. Very few actually had a deliberate approach towards it. Now we find that first of all, so ADCAR is one model from POSI. John Cotter has their eight steps. They're, they're both good. They, they go after it slightly differently, but they're, they're not in conflict. And when we found that those are really successful, they follow, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but quickly, they, they first of all start with a really compelling business case. That comes back to the value we talked earlier. Um, next, they deliberately engage executives in the program. So Hydro-Quebec is a um, utility up in Canada, Quebec. And um, they actually have all their executives come and spend a day in the contact center. And they don't, the, the executives don't lead the call. I hear Amazon does, but they don't lead the call. Although there's a great story with the CEO trying to explain a bill to a customer. Um, <laughs> but generally they just sit in the call and they listen and they ask questions afterwards. But what they did is they, they had the CFO come and they took pictures of her and they made a big deal that immediately led all the other executives to want to come as well. Of course. <laughs> they also then really um, engage employees as well. Now you can't bring every employee to the contact center, but they, they'll use videos. And they, one of the big things is they tie everybody's job back to customer experience, which is hard. You know, Sam um, is the head of customer experience at Univar, and she talks about her first job out of college was in accounts payable, and she saw no relationship with the customer experience until she moved to customer service, and what she learned was that if she didn't pay the bills on time, Univar is a distributor. They couldn't get the product to send to their customers, mm-hmm. so there's actually a very direct tie to the customer experience, but nobody explained it to her. So that's her mission now. She recently took over customer experience is to let everybody know how they actually directly impact the customer. And so those are a few of the things. And there's more than that, but those are some of the big things that great programs are doing is that they're very deliberate with bringing the experience to employees, the current state and leadership, and also giving them a role in how they improve it. It's so important for employees to connect those dots and understand the impact they make. And I hear it so frequently that says, hey, just like the example you gave, hey, I'm in accounting or I'm in back office or I don't touch the customer. I have nothing to do with the experience. And it's so far from the truth um, uh, about their impact on the experience. So take a to show that. Yeah, good. So Jim, talk to me just for a few minutes in our closing moments about where's everything going in CX? We're, we're emerging, hopefully emerging from the pandemic. What are your you know, visionary thoughts about where we're headed in CX with your extensive background that you could share with, your, with our listeners? Well, successful CX will become a business discipline. And a business discipline has to show its impact to the organization and really tie it all together. Now that takes a combination of change management, showing value. It actually, the boring part, but really critical is also understanding the data and linking it all together. So you can actually show how you're driving the business. I, I really believe that it's going to move less of a market research type function, more of an operational marketing at that level, where if you want to see it at the table, 
you have to show how you're earning that seat at the table. And so it's, it's really getting a lot more hard-nosed. And I, I'm hopeful, you know, there are a few MBA programs that are starting to address customer experience, but we have to earn that right. We have to show that we are a true discipline and that what we do really does drive business success. And that's where I see things going. It's taking the time to show how it contributes. And it's, again, it, it, that first requires understanding what your fellow executives care about. That's where I see it going. Um, along those lines, it's going to become much more digital. Um, most, we did a survey that mentioned a survey, 220 people. And um, one of the findings was that the less successful programs, a lot of them told us, oh, we have no homegrown technology in our company. Oh, sorry, but you're wrong. Once you hit a certain level of uh, size business, there's all this homegrown technology that is creating your experience today. What surprised me was that the CX leaders, the advanced programs actually were a little bit of a technologist as well. Um, they understood what technology and how to apply the technology both to better measure the experience, again, not just surveys, but operational, behavioral, and financial data, but also to change the experience through technology. And so that's the other area that suggests how to improve yourself is take some time getting comfortable with technology. Mm -hmm. How do you use it to drive the organization and to kind of bring these, all these areas together, the showing value, the um, highlighting emotions, the um, change management and the technology. One of the big things we learned that the best programs are creating dashboards of the experience that executives want to look at. And that requires, to your other comment, Bob, understanding what executives want to see, what do they want to learn, mm -hmm. and then creating dashboards that not only teaches them that, but also brings in the state of the customer experience at the same time. And so that's where I see it going is much less of a silo. We've created silos. What's ironic is we're trying to break down silos. <laughs> we're creating our own. Um, but getting away from the silo mentality and really engaging with the overall business, that is the next three to five years. I think that is the next step for CX. I, I did laugh when you were talking about that earlier, Jim, about the silos, because to your point, we, we're trying to break them down, not create our own. And, and wow, what, a, what an impactful comment that was. And I hope many of our listeners realize how impactful that truly was, that we need to be uh, integrated and not siloed. Uh, Jim, you've been fantastic in sharing your thoughts and perspectives. If listeners want to learn more or follow you, how is the best way for them to uh, get in? Well, personally, I'm very active in LinkedIn. I mean, I have a Twitter account. I, I use it occasionally, but really LinkedIn is where I spend my time uh, writing about CX posting there. Um, you can also subscribe to our blog and our newsletter and learn more about the upcoming webinars at heartofthecustomer.com and uh, learn more about what we're learning for these 100 interviews and look for the next book coming out probably eight, 10 months from now yet. It's, we're still early in the writing phase, but um, yeah, heartofthecustomer.com and LinkedIn will be two places to find me or uh, at a barbecue event. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, thank you, uh, Jim Tincher. We really appreciate uh, your time today uh, for this episode of All Things Considered CX. Um, listeners, please pass on this podcast to your networks so that we continue to grow our subscriber base and stay tuned for lots of uh, great guests just like Jim and on future podcasts. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.